This is Fluid Truth, and I'm attorney Shirley Skyers Thomas. We explore a simple question of whether there is equity in the justice system. The content offered in this segment is personal reflection and interpretation. The views of my guests are not necessarily the views of Fluid Truth or Quinnipiac University. For clarity, this conversation has been edited. It's my pleasure to introduce Mr. Lamont Young, who is a psychotherapist at Reliant Behavioral Health and Community Services. He's also the co-founder of the Larry T. Young Heart Foundation and the chair of methodology for Unite.us. We sat down together to discuss his experiences and how he sees a path forward to be one grounded in forgiveness and unity. It was so insightful to have Lamont here with us at Fluid Truth. I am attorney Shirley Skyers Thomas, and this is Fluid Truth. I'm so happy to have my guest, Mr. Lamont Young, with me today. Lamont, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me, Shirley. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I'm really glad because you have such a unique story to share, and I'm interested in your vantage point. And you know, my, my topic here is equity in the justice system. So before we just even jump in and talk about it, and for you to share your story and your insight, tell me a little bit about yourself, my friend. Well, my name is Lamont Young, and I'm a psychotherapist. I specialize in trauma-related dissociation, and also my theoretical orientation is specialized in person-centered counseling. And I currently work um, at Reliant Behavioral Health as a psychotherapist, and I also do some volunteer work at the Columbus House. It's a local shelter system in New Haven, Connecticut. Amazing. I am so glad you're on. Your perspective is unique. Again, coming from psychotherapy, plus all these additional aspects. So when I tell you that my topic is equity in the justice system, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? First thing that comes to my mind is being able to understand how the justice system works as it relates to understanding the history of the justice system as it relates to people of color. In order for you to understand the justice system, you have to understand how individuals are impacted historically by the justice system. You're absolutely right. And that's a great moment for us to segue and jump into your story. So what happened with you? And so what happened with me was um, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was plagued by guns, gangs, and violence. And I succumbed to my neighborhood because I wanted to fit in. And in 1993, I was shot seven times at point blank range and I almost died. Uh, They pronounced me dead at Yale New Haven Hospital and I survived. And I wanted to figure out how the individuals gained so much anger where they took it out on their fellow brothers and sisters within the community. I grew up with these guys in the community and because they was high off of PCP, they projected their anger out on me, and it almost cost me my life. Wow, wow. And this happened right in New Haven, Connecticut, am I correct? That's correct. Tell me a little bit about how, after you recovered, what was your interest in kind of digging into this arena? Understanding the environment, the environment where I came from, understanding their history, and, and understanding it was more than them projecting the anger out on me. It was an outside influence. It was a phenomenon that was that hasn't been studied or understood. And I want to know why did these individuals take out their anger on me and why didn't I retaliate? Like where 
did all this coming from? Did all this come from? Was it faith? What was it um, being inquisitive, trying to figure out more? I didn't know, so I decided to be a psychologist because I wanted to figure out to understand and understand mind and environment and the family system. I can't I can't leave out the family system. Wow, that's interesting. So after you recovered and you went on into college and graduate studies, tell me about that journey right there. What was your collegiate journey? What was your journey when you decided that psychotherapy was what you wanted to really jump into? Uh, so it, one day I was walking down 125th Street when I moved to New York City, and I saw this billboard across the street from Apollo, and it must have been at least 20 pictures where black males were being burned alive and lynched. And I was appalled. And I wanted to understand how could another human being take out their anger and frustration on another human being to the point where they try to eliminate them or dehumanize them. And then I wanted to understand why was we doing that to ourselves as a people. And I started to study internalized racism, institutional racism, but my main focus was on internalized racism, self-hate. Um, dis disrespect and um, being able to put all that together and be able to highlight that and, 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 and have a sense of empathy and compassion for individuals that even individuals that either, you know, that took their anger on me and individuals that are also perpetuating that same internalized racism. So what have you seen in terms of what you see for the black and brown community as this relates to internalized um, hatred and internalized racism, self-hate, self-loathing? What have you seen? I studied, um, well, I read this book by Dr. Joy DeGray. Um, it's called uh, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. And I was like, whoa, like, what does that mean? And so individuals <laughs> from slavery they developed this mindset of of being uh, of ha having a lack of self worth, have having la lack of self respect, and the, you you institutionalize and you pathologize that, and then that mindset it, it translates from generation to generation, and so I, I think it's an unseen phenomenon that we all are that we most of us experience, and I want to focus on the phenomenon, the unconscious motives of why individuals do what they do without any disregard for human life, mainly people of color. And so um, I've seen that in my own community, um, even going to an all-black college, where instead of you embracing me, um, you try to tear me down or you try to um, cause me to not think that I'm a part of a whole based upon my my level of education and so i always want to wonder i always wonder like why was this happening and so um i'm just an avid believe i mean avid believer in in making sure that individuals highlight the imperfections and, and, and come to grips with understanding that we are a people that only way we survive we, we survive together um, based upon a collectivist approach if we can go back for a moment did you ever get a chance to understand and figure out the motives of those men who shot you? Seven times, if I'm not mistaken, for those men that shot you. Did you ever get a chance to unpack their motivation? I understood his family um, background. I understood his mother used to get high off of crack cocaine, and his father um, was an alcoholic, and, and they used to abuse him when he was younger. And so I understood that maybe 
it may be a possibility that he was projecting his anger out on me as well as the rest of the individuals in the community. And that's why I forgave him. And that's why when I saw him probably six months later, I was able to hug him and say, I, I forgave him. And as long as he don't try to do anything to me, let's just let it go and, and move forward, which I found very powerful to understand. So the reason why I decided to forgive him is because I understood him. So how has this propelled you moving forward? I know you've done some very significant things since that incident and since going to school. So how has this propelled you forward? Purpose. Um, if I was able to, once I was able to find within myself to forgive this individual, I understood that my life has meaning and my life has purpose. And I decided to educate myself and and embrace what it means to be a servant um, and what it means to forgive, truly forgive. And if I don't have the ability to forgive, work on forgiveness daily in order for me to go out and, and um, help individuals um, within my community. So, and give myself a chance. I, 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 never, I never mentioned that to you. It's very important that when you try to be a servant and you feel like things are not working out right, and you take a steps backwards, give yourself a chance because it's not about you. You're going to make gains, um, short gains forward and short gains backwards. And, but at the end of the day, you're still going to be moving towards a goal or a purpose for others to be able to benefit from your experience, grounded in forgiveness. And so that's what, that's what propelled me to apply to Fordham University to give myself a chance. Um, I didn't think that I had what it took to perform at that level, but I gave myself a chance because I always, I I remember those pictures on 125th Street, it's not about me, it's about the work, it's about service, it's about Matthews saying, um, when I was hungry, you you fed me, when I was naked, you clothed me, when I was in prison, you visit me, when no one was there, you was always there for me, and so I just kept that with me in terms of service. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I see how forgiveness was the undertone that really moved you forward. So tell me about the work that you're doing now and what you're embarking on to really make a difference. So now I work with this organization called Unite. And the chairman of the Unite is the chairman of the Special Olympics. Um, His name is Timothy Striver. And so we have an initiative of being able to bridge the divide within this country by promoting connectedness and and, and unity based upon human survival. That's my own perspective. I bring a humanistic perspective to Unite. Although it may be theoretical, it may be spiritual, but it has to be grounded in, in, in basic human survival, no matter if you're black or white. How do we survive together? How do we share? How do we support each other? How do we forgive? How do we love each other together for one common cause, basic survival? So what are some of the initiatives that Unite has done that you really want to highlight for us? Sure. Um, Last year, May 1st of 2020, our team came together and we decided to have an online, um, we created this online, um, online streaming where we invited people all over the world to be able to come together and be able to share their stories of hope, joy, 
and um and forgiveness and we wanted to be able to promote that in in, in the wake of uh the pandemic uh it was right in at the heart of the pandemic where um we wasn't able to connect with each other but for 24 hours we was able to connect with the world we was able to hear the stories of, of the nurses of ex-presidents of individuals that work in, in, in the shelter system, of in the politicians, um, clergymen, um, Jewish, Muslim, black, white, young, old, everybody across the world was able to share their stories of hope. And because during that time, we felt broken. We felt disconnected from ourselves and the world based upon the, the pandemic. And so it, it, we challenge each and every person in this world to answer the call and each individual answered the call and he was able to show up and just share a little bit about them to, to give us a little bit more hope to just keep pushing forward. So when you say that you had this, is it 24 hour period of just sharing stories and enlightening each other with our own individual presence? I say that's amazing. I say that's wonderful. Is that what it was? Was it 24 hours Lamont? It was 24 hours live streaming around the world. And my major takeaway was uh, from a presidential candidate when she said, we are united in grief. And she said, we are united in horror. And I said, whoa, mm. <laughs> however you look at it, we are united. We all share the same experiences during the pandemic and we are here for each other. And that's my major takeaway. No matter what we're going through, no matter how many people are passing away, no matter what you hear in the news in terms of um, how many people are dying, um, we are here together. We support each other. We embrace each other. And we will move forward and we will get through this together. And you've really just threaded all together for me. So initially we were talking about what it means to have equity in the justice system. And you're responding that it requires acknowledgement. It requires having this, um, being able to address it, having this information. And then as you go into your story where you have an underlying tone of forgiveness and into the work that you're doing where you're trying to give back and have the humanity and the stories told, I just see this really common thread of we all need each other. So is that how you're suggesting that we can get out of this space that we find ourselves, which is race, gender, ethnicity, orientation, all of the isms that we might think or all of the phobias that might come to mind. Is that what you're thinking of how we can get out of this space? Absolutely. Uh, how do we counteract our social construct of believing based upon what our family told us, whatever the, our, our, our education taught us? How do we counteract that narrative to, to understand, okay, this is what you're telling me, but the only way we survive is to be able to survive, to survive together. And then we debunk the color and we embrace sheer resources because the only way we really move out of this pandemic or this way of thinking about black, white, um, rich or poor is understanding that we only way we survive is we share resources and if we respect each other and if we believe that America will be what we always dreamed of, even from the time of slavery, what will America be? What would we want it to be collectively as a people? And that's 
a fight that's on a continuum. There are many fights, and you've just highlighted a big one. So as we talk about what America could be, what is your contribution in terms of the businesses that you have started, that you have your eye on, that really answer the call to what America can be? Tell me about that. I have a foundation. It's called the Larry Chin Heart Foundation. And it's really understanding that we need to address inequalities in healthcare as it relates to stressors that impact the heart, environmental stressors that impact the heart, as well as the mind. I also want to be able to integrate psychology with cardiology to be able to understand how does your mind impact your nervous system, which entails impact your heart. And so just putting on my reflective practitioner hat and being able to think of new ways to be able to address systems that impact the nervous system, impact the family system, and be able to highlight it. Because what we can't see impacts us. And we go about our daily business saying, well, this is who I am, this is who I'm gonna be. But how do you know? How do you know this is all you're gonna be unless you challenge what you can't see, unless you operate in awareness and mindful awareness to move towards that ultimate goal, shared resources, inequality in healthcare. And tell me the name of the foundation one more time, please. It's called the Larry Tiong Heart Foundation. Where'd you get that name from? My brother, Glenn Young, passed away in 2012 from cardiovascular disease. And then my oldest brother, Larry T. Young, passed away in 2015 from cardiovascular disease. And I know their story. They came from the um, the environment where I came from in terms of violence, um, food deserts, uh, obesity, um, what no one promoted health care, um, exercise, diet. And so all these disparities impacted them, as well as people I know growing up, as well as myself. And, and so that's the phenomenon that we just go through life not understanding exactly what's impacting us, which can have a devastating impact on our lives if we're not tested, tested or we, we, if we're not brought aware of exactly what's impacting us. I love that you're now trying to highlight the intersection of cardiac medicine and psychology and therapy. And what is that intersection and how is it going to both positively and negatively impact the body? So that's truly thinking out of the box as a clinician. That's amazing. I think it's imperative that we become scientists. like and try to find new ways and always trying to discover different theories and not in, in, embrace a Western approach to being able to treat, treat people of color. Like we have to meet people of color or within the communities where they are and then try to find new ways to be able to test and retest that information um, in, in order for us to be able to effectively, adequately address those core issues. Wow. Well, I see there is some truly some clinical work to be done. Normally, when I say there's work to be done, I'm talking about the legalities or the social justice issues. But now you've put a whole spin on it. There is also clinical work to be done. I know that you're going to be at the forefront of that work as well. So before we wrap it up, 
I know you were telling me about this wonderful book that you had in your possession and you were encouraging, you know, my my reading of it and my digesting of the same book. So tell me about your book. It's called The Call to Unite Voices of Hope. And so everyone that was on the live streaming in May um, of 2020, uh, Maria Striver, Tim Striver and Tom Rothschild, they all put their stories in this book to be able to share with the world um, voices of hope, love, joy, and, and inspiration. And, and so this book is a good read. This book is to be able to allow individuals to understand that although there's big names in this book, what we all have in common is purpose, is connection, is shared stories. And, and so the purpose of this book is to share stories of hope and, and connectedness and, and instead of, and then also debunk individualism. Like this, everybody that's within this, that's in this book, everybody pretty much spoke about how they can contribute to the pandemic, to the disparities in this country together as a people. One body, one mind, one, one creation under God. Mr. Young, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate the conversation. I thank you for being an ally in this work and really pushing the needle and moving forward. Thank you so much. I thank you. Uh, you're doing amazing work and thank you for making a connection and providing hope and joy and trust and safety and purpose during these challenging times. So I thank you. Thanks for listening in today. Special thanks to our producer, Johnny Marquat, and executive producer, David DeRoche. Shout out and big thanks to the Fluid Truth crew for their assistance. That's Jackie Callanan, Raynette Shafu, and Jake McCarthy. Music is provided by Audio Hero from their Jazz Lounge album. To learn more about all of our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to our podcast on the platform or app of your choice. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at qupodcasts. If you have a story to share or something you want to talk about, find us on social media or shoot us an email. The address is qupodcast at qu.edu. We're wrapping up the season in just a few episodes. Hope you'll join us for the next show. All right, that's it for today. Till next time.